where we talk about wellness, intuitive business, spirituality. And in 12th house fashion, we just like pull the curtain back on it and we're like, what the fuck is going on here? And what's the truth? And what's mystery? And what's reality? And let's just look at it with a smile and a hint of irreverence. I'm Michelle Palazon, the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. And this episode is going to be a little different than our normal Friday episodes. This is your first time tuning into the 12th house. Welcome. So happy to have you. We normally on Fridays talk about wellness industry news and wellness business stuff. And then I teach a little bit about intuitive business, but we had a little bit of a shift in our schedules this week and we're moving with it. We're organic, we're flowing, we're breezy. So I'm going to talk a little bit about a concept that I get asked about often, which is sort of organizing your genius and executing on your genius. And I was thinking about like, why do people think that I'm good at this (laughs) from the outside? You know, because I wouldn't say that this is like my forte, but I get asked all the time about productivity. And I don't even really like believe in productivity, but I get asked about projects and bringing and making things. And I know that just now, this is going to sound like an absolute dick move, but I know that I make more things than most people. I remember the first job that I had as a writer and editor, where I had to write like five stories a day or something. And I remember thinking that I was really slow. I just really hadn't had a real job before where like there was anyone to compare myself to. And so I constantly felt like I was failing and like I was a piece of shit (laughs) because I wasn't as productive as everyone else. And I just worried about that. And then when I got to this job where I actually had like peers who were kind of doing the same work as me, I saw that I was really fast and actually really good at what I did. And it was jarring because I, that wasn't how... I perceived myself. And I think that it's still not really how I perceive myself. And at the risk of sounding like a total asshole who's tooting their own horn, I think now I can recognize almost 10 years later that I'm pretty good at making work quickly and making pretty good work. And I also have an awesome team and I've built an ecosystem around me to help me do that. A huge part of that is the amazing team at Holisticism. They're not my team. They're the team at Holisticism. I'm part of that team. And also part of that ecosystem is the systems I've built for myself and the rituals I've created for myself to just help me be in the world. And I really think that's all that we're doing as human beings is like we're planted in this. We're like, we didn't really pick this ecosystem of maybe we did. We got landed in this ecosystem of capitalism, right? And productivity culture, hustle, whatever. And we are doing all that we can to just try and make it make sense for us. And so if you think differently than how this ecosystem tells you to think, then that means you are constantly hedging against it, creating your own little bubble in which you can survive and thrive. And I share that because I'm going to talk about making projects and how to bring your genius into the world and sort of organize it and make it manifest. So it's not just an idea that's floating in your head, but that it's something that's real in the world. And I want to just hedge this, preface this by saying, I think everything, the reason I never thought I was good at this stuff or productive or whatever is because all the meaning making systems that exist to tell me who I am, tell me that that's not what I should be good at. I'm a Pisces. I'm a triple fucking water for God's sake. I don't have any structure in my chart. I am a projector, which the you know human design would tell you I'm not supposed to work too much, blah, blah, blah. I have ADHD. 
And I'm a highly creative and intuitive person. I was a professional modern dancer. My brain works in squiggles and spirals instead of straight lines. And so the world tells us, well, if you work in that, those alternative ways, then naturally you're never going to get anything done and you're not valuable to this world. And I think that that's a total bullshit lie, obviously, and that we just need to find the systems that work for us. So I want to share with you what works for me and you can take it with a grain of salt, but mm, here's my opinion. And I'm really, I might, again, I might sound like an asshole in this episode. I hope that you still like me after this, but I can't really control that. So mm, here we go. Here's my thing. When it comes to starting a project and getting organized, what you think matters doesn't matter even a little tiny bit at all. It just doesn't matter. What we think matters <laughs> at the beginning of a project is stuff like knowing what exactly the next steps are going to be and picking the right fonts and the right colors. And if we should make it in Canva or if we should make it in something else or Photoshop, or if we should pick the right designer. And there's 10 different designers and which one should we choose? And Mercury being out of retrograde or, or retrograde or whatever. We think all these little trivial things matter, but they do not. Those are the things that we get caught up on and tripped up on. What should the website look like? Should I use Squarespace? Should I use Wix? That shit doesn't matter. And that's why you're getting stuck. And that's why your project fails to, I don't know, be in the world <laughs> or, or you just fail to start, honestly. And I know that that's like, sounds really cruel, but it's not. That's honestly like your brain is doing its job by getting caught up on the trivial stuff. So don't beat yourself up too much about it. Here's the thing. Like our brains are trying to protect us. <laughs> I'm going to make a big jump here, but I promise you I'm going to walk you through it. Our brains are constantly trying to protect us from the fact that we are mortal and that we are going to die. Our brain is like the number one thing that it wants to do is push that out of our heads and push that away from us. <laughs> and distract us from that one singular truth. And here's how we cannot be afraid of death. We can acknowledge that we are divine beings, that we are like gods basically, right? That chose to have a human experience, that chose to be in these like sacks of meat and play this video game that we're like, you know what? That looks really weird and fun. I want to go try that. <laughs> What's that like? I want to eat chicken fingers. What do chicken fingers taste like? What is it like to be heartbroken? What is it like to be in love? What is it like to feel the grass on your fingers when you're on a summer day? What is it like to sit in a movie theater and feel the air conditioning blowing on you after you've been walking around sweating in New York City? What is it like to go on a date and have a horrible time and call your friends afterward and tell them about it? What is it like to know that you there is an end and to be faced with div the divinity that like, what is divine about life is that there's an ending to it and that it's ephemeral and that we we aren't promised it forever. That's what we chose, dudes. And we freak ourselves out because we forget that like the reason we're here is, is to experience mortality, <laughs> is to experience like the fact that the moment we're born, we begin to die. Okay. <laughs> You're like, Michelle, stop attacking me with death right now. But I'm sorry. I'm a Scorpio moon. This house is, this podcast is called the 12th house. It's like, what we talk about? And I have an eighth house stellium and I'm studying to be a fucking death doula, dude. Like this is what I'm sorry. This is like, this is my reason for being. This is why I think intuitive business and wellness and spirituality. This is why we do this stuff, right? It's like, this is the reason. <laughs> so I think that we can ground 
these things that might seem silly to distract ourselves with, right? Like starting a business or starting a project, ground them down in in the fact that like, we're here to live and this is part of living. And like I said, your brain is trying to distract you from the fact that you're going to die. It comes forever. There's a hundred percent chance that life is fatal and that can be really heavy, right? And instead of being existentialist about it and just getting this like sense of nihilism, like nothing matters, what if we can make it fun and acknowledge that, yes, this thing has an ending and um, that's actually kind of cool and that's what makes it so special. Our brain is like, no, I don't want to die. And also that arguably is why your soul chose to be here. That was a hundred percent what was on your soul contract. You're going to die. <laughs> I don't know what else is written on your soul contract, but definitely that. So this is part of what we're here to do. And like I said, your brain is trying to, to keep you safe and basically distract you from the realization that you are going to die. And so anything that remotely feels like edging death, <laughs> your brain's going to going to pull you away from and distract you from. So that's anything that offers us a feeling of failure or rejection. Have you ever like gotten an F on a test or gotten rejected by like a job that you really wanted or a person that you really loved? feels like you're dying, right? Like your heart falls into your butt and you're just like, ah, okay, I can't breathe. This is the most pain I've ever been in in my life and I hate it. And then you bounce back eventually, right? And you didn't die. And everything that you were afraid of, which was dying, didn't happen. And actually, you probably felt even more alive. That's because guess what? Death and life are right next door to each other. Kind of the same thing. (laughs) We can't have one without another if we're trying to constantly ignore death and avoid things that remind us of our death. We will live a hollow life. We will live a life that doesn't have feeling and depth and meaning to it. And and stretch and sweat and crunchiness. We will just live this one note existence. And then we'll look back and realize that the time that we spent trying to ascend and get out of the human experience and go beyond this planet was totally, totally not the point. The point is not to sit in meditation for 25 years and sort of get above and past it and move to a 5D level. Maybe the point is just to be a person and to be here and to feel all of it and to like acknowledge that divinity is that we have limited time here and that it's always moving through our fingers. (laughs) It's ephemeral and that's beautiful. And how magical is that? Okay. I lost the train of thought. Sorry. I got ADHD, but I didn't actually lose it. I'm going to circle all the way back to this idea that your brain is is just trying to protect you from death, right? And acknowledging your mortality. So it's going to avoid things that potentially could kill us, right? Which is what we think is going to kill us. Failure, rejection, pain. Also, just like anything that's different. (laughs) So your brain is like, okay, you're sitting in this chair now at this nine to five job and you're miserable and you hate it, but you don't know what's like on the other side of that door. If you leave this job, you might die. You might get rejected. You, all the worst case scenarios happen. And guess what? It's just like easier for me if you stay here and you're miserable because at least I know you're safe right? It's like when you put your dog in the in their little kennel, you know that they don't like love it. They'd love to have like free range of your house to tear up your couch, but you know that they're safe there. And it's more important that they're safe. Your brain is saying, it's more important that you're safe. Stay in the cage. It's more important that you, you're safe. You're going to be okay. That's your brain trying to do its job. 
and your brain is flawed. The programming that you were born with, that you've been using your whole life, it's due for an update. It's due for a system upgrade. So when we know this about our brains, we can just like forgive ourselves for being scared (laughs) and not wanting to fail. And we can also forgive ourselves for getting focused on the wrong things. Remember, I said, when it comes to starting a project and getting organized, what you think matters doesn't matter even a little bit at all. We get distracted by little trivialities that are like small potatoes, right? Because our brain is like, ooh, focus on the small thing. Focus on the button color. Focus on the font. Because if you're focused on that for like six months and finding the right font, then you're not going to go launch the project, which is going to put you at risk for being rejected because you're going to be seen by people. And that's going to make me vulnerable. And you know, when I'm reminded of vulnerability, I'm reminded of my death and I don't want to do that. So yes, stay focused on the fonts, my friend. That is where I love you to be. This is called the law of triviality. It's a mental model. Take a note of this. If you like write this down in your notes for real, for real, this will help you because it'll give you compassion for yourself and it'll give you compassion for other people, especially if you work in an organization. The law of triviality says that it is absolutely common and normal for us to give a disproportionate amount of weight to trivial issues that don't matter. So you've probably experienced this at a job before, if you worked at a corporate job, where you were in a meeting for some huge launch that you're going to do. And instead of talking about all the steps that you needed to launch this project or product or whatever it is, you spent 30 minutes talking about where the button should be on the homepage. Oh, should it be a blue button? Should it be a red button? Should it be a round button? Should it be a square button? Should it be three quarters of an inch or half an inch? And you had people arguing about it. You had people who were mad, who were slacking each other, mean gifts and talking shit about each other and rolling their eyes. And maybe you even bought into it for a second. You're like, no, we can't have a red button. Are you insane? And square? What? And then you had a moment of realization where you're like, None of this shit fucking matters. This is the dumbest thing to spend 30 minutes on. And that's because the law of triviality wins again. We're focused on a trivial thing that doesn't matter because that is safe. It is safer to be distracted by that than it is to be distracted by other important things. So if we know that the law of triviality is just going to come for us, then we, we can just be aware of it, right? And instead of being annoyed, And also letting the law of triviality run us, being like, oh, fuck, the fonts. (laughs) Or should I use Squarespace or Wix or whatever? We can just say, you know, none of this shit fucking matters. Really, in the grand scheme of things, what matters are like the big things, the big stuff. I know that my brain is going to get stuck on the trivial things. It wants me to stay there for a long period of time to stay safe. And it's my job my soul's job to move past that and to remind my brain that I've got this, that actually it's not scary. It's awesome. (laughs) And that what I'm here to do is live. So I don't know. I hope that resonates. (laughs) And I don't know what actually matters to you. Like I, I can't tell you I'm not omniscient. I'm psychic, but I'm not that psychic. I can really only tell you my experience. So I'm gonna walk you through what actually matters to me on projects. And let me just tell you, I am so easily distracted by the trivial shit. Like all the things that I named of like, oh, should I build my website here or here? Should I make this story red and four different panels or should I make it seven different panels and have a swipe up? Or should I make this, I don't know, a question or a yes or no? I'm so like, I would love to spend my time there. My ADHD is like, yeah, dude, do that. Spend your time there. That sounds dope. We'll just like chill. 
And in order to make things happen, I can't possibly. So this is what's worked for me to like move past those trivial matters that are bullshit trying to distract us. So the first place that I start is by getting ready for the idea. And here, I guess I need to preface this by saying, here's my worldview on art, projects, businesses, anything that is an idea that we execute on. It's not ours. That's my perspective. You don't fucking own that shit. It is like rented to you. No, not even that. It is these things, these ideas, I believe that they have their own destinies and their own souls. They are their own entity outside of us. So my business, holisticism, is not mine. It's not mine. It was an idea that came to me. And if I didn't take it and run with it, someone else would have taken it. Holisticism has its own destiny. It has its own set of values. It has its own desires of what it wants to be. And it's my responsibility as the vessel for that thing. The person who said, okay, I consent to bringing this forth into the world to do my the best I possibly can to do that, to give to prep myself, right? As, as best I can to be the best sort of parent for this thing. I truly believe the same thing with children. I think we all chose our parents and that your future children or my future children, God willing, chose and will choose me for a reason and will choose you for a reason if you want kids. So I think it's the same thing for businesses and projects and ideas, things like that. They're not ours, just like kids aren't our kids. They're a separate entity outside of us, often that's much more intelligent than we are. And it's our responsibility to prepare that thing as best we possibly can to be out in the world and fulfill its destiny. And that means that, you know, we need to be on our shit. And we also need to acknowledge, and this is really tough for our ego, when we're not the best best fit for that thing. When maybe that thing has outgrown us. Maybe when we can't necessarily take it to where it wants to go. And I know at some point, I don't know. I'm pretty sure at some point holisticism is going to outgrow me and I won't be the person to take it to where it needs to go just because I'm limited on my capacity. And that's okay. Like, I hope that when that time comes, I am able to not be super egoic about it and I can pass it off to whoever needs to take it next. But that's my perspective on projects, ideas, concepts, art, all these things. They are not ours. They don't, we don't own them. And we love as human beings to own shit, right? To acquire shit, to take these metaphorical trophies and put them on our altar and say, look how good I am. Look at all the things that I've done and made because that adds value to us in some way. But in reality, it doesn't. We don't own anything. We don't own the earth that we sit on. We don't own other people. We don't own ideas. We don't own stories. We don't own any of this. We are just the vessel that it chooses to come through. And that can give you a lot of permission to be less precious, right? And to just say, okay, well, my only job is to like bring this thing into the world the best I possibly can. And I'm not going to do it perfectly. And my job isn't to be perfect so the thing can come through a perfect, clear, crystalline vessel. My job is just to get clear as possible. There might be a little bit of debris left in there and start acting, start doing just like parents They don't have to read every single parenting book in order to have a baby. You know, a lot of it comes, I think, you figure it out in real time. So that's the concept that I work with. And I believe that a huge part of bringing an idea into the world is consciously consenting to it. 
actively consenting, saying when it lands on your shoulder, saying, okay, yeah, I'm game. Let's do this dance. Or if you're not into it and you're not ready, then you say, please move on and go to the next person. The worst thing in the world is being someone's back burner. I have been the back burner girl many a time, but you know what I'm talking about. The one who you're not like, necessarily going to date, but is good, you know, when, when there's nothing else better on the front burners. No one wants to be a back burner. <laughs> no idea or piece of art wants to be a back burner. So don't put anyone there. That's rude. <laughs> and don't put any ideas there. If you're not ready to commit to them, send them on their way. And don't be butthurt if you said no to something and someone else has that idea that idea brings that idea into the world a couple years later and like fucking crushes it. That's what you signed up for my friend. And that's my belief on ideas. <laughs> but I say that because I think it's important to prep you for what comes next, right? Because when an idea lands on your shoulder, you know, it's just that it's just an idea until you bring it into the world until you metaphorically birth it. So how do we do that? Well, for me, I look at where am I starting? Who am I right now? What have I got? What are the resources around me? And where do I want to end up? And that often, and where where does this project want to end up? And that often means that I have to ask the project. I know that sounds crazy, but I'll open the records of that thing. Everything has an Akashic record. I'll ask my spiritual team. I'll pull cards and just see like, what does this thing want to be? Who is it? What is it here for? Why did it pick me? And what am I going to need to do to get it to the next milestone that I can and that it's telling me it desires where it desires to go? You can also pull the natal chart of a business or a project or an idea and learn a little bit more about maybe its its means and its ends and its desires that way too. So once I kind of know what the beginning and ending or next milestone is going to be, I try to fill in the gaps in between that. I told you my brain works in spirals and squiggles, not in straight lines. So I'm usually working with lots of points on a graph or points in space, and I'm trying to connect those points. And the way that I do that is by looking at where I want to end up and sort of saying, okay, that's going to be the end of my line segment. Where are the other stars I'm going to connect to? Where are the other milestones I'm going to connect to? And basically I'm looking for a pattern and I look for patterns the way that everyone looks for patterns, which is by looking at history or other patterns that we've seen before. You know, actually something's not a pattern unless it happens more than once, right? If it's, if it's just in the world (laughs) as, I don't know, a set of numbers, like that's just a set of numbers, but when it repeats, that's when it becomes a pattern. So I'm looking for the pattern in what this sort of like next steps are going to be. And this is where I really rely really heavily on archetypal journeys and looking at archetypal journeys that have existed in people I admire, in history, in businesses or artists or projects. This is why I read biographies because I want to see people's archetypal journeys and what they went through and just learn from their mistakes and also the initiations that are probably coming down the pipe for me if I'm walking in a similar or at least if I'm walking parallel to their path. And also if I want to edge away from that path and move in a different direction. And this comes from the just general concept that I love that I go back to over and over again of never starting from a blank page, right? There's no need to reinvent the wheel. 
There just really isn't. Yes, you have a unique and in, in individual experience, but we have so much history and we have so much, so many stories, so much in the collective unconscious to draw from to help us find our North Star and help direct our energy and our attention on what matters and why we're here, again, to live a human experience. So I try to figure out what my milestones are going to look like in this project, at least for what I can see and know that I can't see all the way into the future, but what's the timeline I'm working with? Maybe it's a year, maybe it's six months. Where am I trying to get this to go? Then once I figure that out, I need to basically create some safety measures for myself because I know inevitably I'm going to try and bail out of this project. That is just who I am. I believe that this is how most people are, despite the fact, you know, in spite of ADHD or ADD, I think that, again, our brains are always trying to protect us, right? So anytime it gets hard or gets scary or we do something we've never done before or we're asked to be vulnerable or show up, our brain is like, I feel like it's dying. I feel like I'm dying. I feel like she's dying. I don't want to do this anymore. And it will find an excuse or a reason or a distraction to not keep going, to not go deeper. And that's okay. That's what our brain is supposed to do. It's kind of annoying, but it's fine. So what I need are effectively like, you know, bumpers in like when you go bowling. My brain is the bowling ball that inevitably wants to go into the gutter. I need bumpers to keep my brain on track, right? And so to me, I need something that basically says dying is okay and feeling things as part of being alive. And yes, like you're going to have resistance and let me make that resistance easier for you. Let's make it the smoothest possible and make it a no-brainer for you to keep going in the direction you've been going as opposed to stopping and turning around or going in the gutter. I hope this makes sense. So for me, that looks like ritual, routine, accountability partners, and basically creating structure for myself, creating habits that are built into my day or into my process that keep me on track. And so often with a project, that means that I'll build a template, I'll build a notion document, I'll build something where I know what I'm tracking so that I don't get distracted so I can continue to see my progress moving forward. And that typically means that I'm going to look at things called KPIs, key performance indicators. So if I'm making a project, let's say, let's say I'm writing a book. Okay. And like, I have a lot of resistance to that. So maybe what I want to track is just the words that I write every day. And so my KPI that I'm going to measure is I'm writing 500 words a day and I have to do it before 9 a.m. And so I build that into my schedule. I don't schedule anything before 9 a.m. because I don't want anything to possibly distract me from doing this 500 words. And I'm going to sit at the computer and write my 500 words and I'm not allowed to get up until I do it. And I've built that into my schedule every day. And even if I, I write mumbo jumbo nonsense, like I'm still checking that off my list. I've created bumpers for myself. Eventually, I know, I know because of the writer that I am, that I never write something good the first time. <laughs> um, my first draft always sucks. What happens, the magic that happens is in my editing process. So I know that my resistance is going to come in writing and that what I'm really good at is editing. And as long as I can get to the editing process, I'm going to be golden. 
So that means the bumpers I create are around that difficult part, that resistance part of writing. So your routine or ritual or accountability is going to look different for you. Maybe it means that you meet with an accountability group every week to talk about what you've done or you talk about your progress. Maybe it means that you have a ritual every morning that reminds you of your mortality or of your humanity or why you're here and why you're here to do this, to keep you focused and on track so you don't get distracted by things that are trivial that don't matter. What's your sort of spiritual GPS? Think of it as your spiritual ways or Google Maps. What are you typing in and where are you going? And again, what are you going to sort of create as little measurements for yourself to sort of help you stay on the path? And then finally, this is when I typically will create a spell document and kind of put all of my ideas together. And I've created the bumper system for myself or the fail-safe system for myself. And then I want to be able to execute. And this is spell work to me. This is when we bring a project into the world. So what is a spell? It's just an intentional ritual or process to get a desired outcome. And we have some key components of spells, right? We have intentions and what our desired outcome is. So what do we intend to happen? And what do we want the outcome to be? And we need to be really clear on those things. If we are not, the spell will not work the way that we want it to work. It will work in a different way. So if you want to be vague, fine, go off, be vague, but you're not probably going to get your desired outcome. The more clear you are on your desired outcome and your intentions, and you really go in on yourself, why do you want that thing? What's your intention? The more likely you are to get to it. So why and to what end? The next component are ingredients and just components, right? So what's going to go into this spell? What am I going to use? What am I going to use this time to get to what I want? And then who's going to help me? Often when we're doing spell work, we're calling on a deity or an entity or spiritual team to help us. And this, we can do this, of course, in our projects, but we can also ask like, who am I going to need to help me do this? Am I going to need other witches, a coven? Am I going to need like some freelancers? Am I going to need a team member? Am I going to need a a really supportive partner? What do I need to, who am I going to need to help me? There's interestingly, yes, you can be a solitary witch, but you know, the more witches you have with you to do spell work, the more powerful it is. Just a helpful thing. And then finally, what's the structure? So what am I sort of choosing? Is this going to be a candle magic spell? Is this going to be a spell that I plant into the earth? Is this a ritual bath? What does the structure of this need to look like? What is the framing of this, the scaffolding to help it stand up and be something? You know, if we don't have a scaffolding and we just have ingredients, it's still... Like it's like having a skull, a, a body without a skeleton with just like muscles and organs that are just floating around in there. There's no, we don't really know what it looks like. There's no differentiation. It reminds me of like Italian food. How <laughs> all Italian food is like basically the same. It has the same like three ingredients. You know, it's tomatoes and and flour and and cheese. And <laughs> if you were just to give the ingredients for to bruschetta and spaghetti and a margarita pizza if you're just like here are the ingredients and no structure or actual recipe of what to do with those ingredients you wouldn't know what to make right so we have to have that clear intention and desired outcome to know what we're going to make with maybe the same set of ingredients that we use for a lot of the things that we do And for me, this looks like creating a document of kind of like, what have I got to work with? Where am I going with this? And how are all of these moving parts going to work together? And then finally, executing on that project and bringing it into the world means usually for me, 
taking small little actions every day that have compounding effects. I've found in my experience that making big grand gestures is like not the move. What I need to move forward and to really bring things into the world and keep my superpower is persistence. I wrote an email newsletter every single week for four years. (laughs) And for the first like three years, two years, I didn't get paid. And I wrote it every single week, even when I didn't think people were paying attention to it. That's my superpower is doing the small things consistently every single week that I know matter, that are not trivial. And usually that means just showing up. It doesn't usually matter like how beautiful it is or how perfect it is. And my dad always says 90% of being successful is just showing up. And I do think that that's true to an extent. It's just putting ourselves out there. So from where I sit every single day, I don't want to get caught up in the trivialities, right? In the small stuff that doesn't matter. I want to, I can hire other people to help me do that down the road when I have the space to do it, when it's calling to me. But in these first big steps, when you really need to like make moves to bring something into the world, I think that it's more important to get really clear on what your priorities are, what the one big thing is you can do every day that's going to get you closer to what you want to bring into the world and focus on that as opposed to getting distracted by all the ifs and the others and the things. And it's so easy to, because we value so much aesthetic, like we value aesthetics so much these days, but there's really not so much substance there all the time. My friend Amanda says, make something of substance. And I think that the way that we can do that is by just going deep on what is it that this needs to be? If I were to just get rid of all of the expectations of what I think it's supposed to look like and how I think I'm supposed to do it perfectly and I were just to like go for it, if I were going to make it happen, what are the steps that I would take and not be precious about it and also not be afraid to fail? Because inevitably you're going to fail like 90 times to get like one, one win. (laughs) And that's just part of it. And again, it's about being resilient and just continuing and persistent and continuing to show up even when it feels like, even when our brains are signaling to us that we're failing and that this is like death because it's not you know that your brain loves to fool you and loves to trick you into thinking that you're dying, hypochondriac that it is. And you're not. You're not. Trust me, you're not. You've got this. So that's my perspective on how to get a project out in the world. That's how I get projects out into the world. I have, gosh, like probably five projects I'm running at any given time for better or for worse. Now I'm just so lucky that I have an amazing team to help me bring those projects into the world. And that's just been my process for, I think, a really long time now. And I hope it's useful to you. And of course, I use other things like Notion to keep me on track. And again, like these systems that I've created for myself are really just bumpers so that my brain doesn't go into the gutter, right? I'm just trying to create fail safes all around me to prevent me from being distracted. And that really, I think, comes from being like a person who's had, who's maybe not (laughs) neurotypical and has not thought the same way as other people for their whole life. And in order to keep up with everyone else, I've had to create these sort of like boundaries for myself to keep me focused on like being a person and being quote unquote normal (laughs) and doing things like others. And that is a superpower and I think a gift at this point. But 
I hope this was useful and fun and interesting to you. And if anything, I hope that this inspires you to take action if an idea chooses you and to be like hashtag blessed, you know, that you are the vessel that was picked. And instead of being afraid and having imposter syndrome that you're not right for it, like you are, (laughs) if it came to you, then you're supposed to do it, you know, and you have free will. So you don't have to do it. You get to choose your destiny. But if the idea came to you, then it thinks that it can be born through you and you have something valuable to give it. I wouldn't like give Muse the side eye and be like, I don't think you know what you're talking about. She knows far better than we do. She knows she's divine. We just forget. So she's any anything that knows it's divine has one uh, sort of one-upping us. But yeah, I guess that's my perspective. And like I said, I use Notion a lot as structure to help myself. And I love teaching it to especially creative, squiggly-brained people like me and intuitive people because I think it can be really magical. And like, this is all that ritual is, just structure, right? It's intentional structure. It's so that we don't go through the motions of our day-to-day without remembering the magic and the divinity that is the human experience. And we don't translate our digital rituals in that same way. And I think that we should. Like, we are constantly in ritual practice. And what would happen in our lives if we treated (laughs) all of these structures as a ritual, magical ritual practice as the, as the divine ritual practice that they are. I think life would be a lot more fun to be honest with you and probably a lot cooler. (laughs) That's it. That's all I have for you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't, please let me know. You know, if you really love the wellness news, could you also please let us know because we think you like it because you're listening to it, but yeah, hit us up. We always want to make things that you just are obsessed with and can't wait to listen to. So if you want more intuitive business stuff, then great. We can make more of that. If you want more wellness industry insider news, we can give you more of that. And I think that's all I have for you. Have a beautiful rest of your day and I'll see you on the internet. (music) 